Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Appreciate you joining us today for the podcast. Mark chapter 12 today. Uh, We'll begin reading at verse number nine here in a moment. No postcard today, unfortunately, Uh, but I do have this sparkling ice, orange mango flavored sparkling water drink here. Thought you might like to see that. I love these. Have you ever had one of these sparkling ices? They are my favorite drink. Zero sugar, vitamins, antioxidants, at least that's what they tell me, five calories. I mean, it's good stuff. Mango orange. That's the orange mango. That's the way to go. I'm going to set that over here so that's not a distraction. But uh, we are in, as I said, Mark chapter 12. And um, I want you to look at verse number nine. We're talking a bit about this parable of the... Remember uh, last episode, we talked about the husbandmen that are... Uh, kind of the tenant farmers of this vineyard. The landowner has gone uh, gone away. He sent his servants back one after the other after the other until many have come, but all of them have been either beaten or killed. And finally, the landowner sends his final message, his ultimate message. He sends his only son, his well-beloved son. And what do they do to him? They kill him thinking erroneously that once we've killed him, then we will be the rightful owners of this vineyard. We'll never have to deal with this landowner again. But they miscalculated, didn't they? Watch what happens now in verse number nine, where Jesus asks his listeners this question. What shall therefore the Lord of the vineyard do? So when Jesus would tell these parables, he would typically ask a question at trying to solicit a response or at least some thinking on the part of those that were listening. And the questions were never hard. They were never hard in the parable itself. So the story itself made the answer very, very clear. Why? Because often in life, the situations that we deal with are only complex because we are involved. And so we look at it subjectively. We don't see ourselves as readily. We have blind spots. But when we can take ourselves out of a situation and look in through another lens, through the lens of objectivity, then answers are a lot easier. Remember the story of David, how David had even fooled himself into thinking that he had swept sin under the rug. He had even fooled himself into thinking that, you know, I've taken care of this situation with Bathsheba and Uriah. It's been a few months now. I've covered it. I remember God sent Nathan and Nathan told David that story about the sheep and the rich guy that had a lot of sheep and the poor man that had one sheep and how the rich man stole the poor man's lamb. And to David, what do you think about that? David said, you ought to kill that guy. Uh, for taking advantage of that poor man with that one sheep. See, the thing was, David could see the sin clearly when it was somebody else, when it was this story. And yet he 
didn't see clearly that the story was about him. So here in Matthew, or rather Mark chapter 12, similar. When Jesus asked the question, it's not a hard question. The question is, what shall therefore the Lord of the vineyard do? I suppose that everybody in the onlooking audience would say, well, I mean, he needs to deal with those husbandmen severely. Uh, There must be the most severe punishment for all the people they've killed, all those servants, and now the only son. I mean, come on. It's obvious what the the Lord of of the vineyard should do. So watch what Jesus says, verse 9. He will come and destroy the husbandmen and will give the vineyard unto others. So he's not going to destroy the vineyard. He's not going to take Israel out of the way. This is not teaching that somehow God is done with Israel. What this is saying is God is done with you religious leaders and the way that you are destroying Israel. He's given you too much time. He's given you too much mercy. He's given you too much grace. And now you have finally crossed the line. And this prophecy, by the way, was indeed fulfilled in the very next generation when the temple and all of what these religious leaders were doing, the temple trade and and the money changing and, and the exorbitant a price for the sacrificial animals and all of the things that Jesus had been preaching against and the tables that he had been overturning, all of that, the whole thing was done away with in one generation when Rome came and destroyed Jerusalem and stone was not left upon stone and the temple was destroyed and these religious leaders and their offspring met their demise, right? So what happened? This was fulfilled, Look at verse number 10. Jesus now to put an exclamation point at the end of his parable actually quotes some scripture. And the scripture that he quotes is part of a series of Psalms that would be sung in conjunction with the Passover feast. Uh, Psalms 113 through 118. Psalms of Hosanna. uh, Messianic Psalms. Praising God. And he quotes Psalm 118 here in verse number 10, where it says, And have you not read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected is become the head of the corner. So where's that? That's Psalm 118, verse 22. Verse 11, this was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. So did you guys never read that? Now, of course they did. It was a rhetorical question. Of course they had. And they had sung that psalm many times. They probably had it memorized. There was probably a tune that came to their minds as Jesus quoted it because it was a a psalm. It was meant to be sung. And yet, what was that psalm really about? That psalm was really about Messiah. And what the psalm predicted was that the stone that was rejected had become the head of the corner, the headstone. So here was a stone that the builders, to use the metaphor, had looked at and said, uh, can we use this stone in this building? No, that's, that's not a good stone. That's not a worthy stone. There's nothing good about that stone. And they set it aside only to build the wall and realize, oh, that stone is the perfect stone to be the head of the corner of the wall. I mean, that is a prominent stone. Let's use it. 
And what Jesus is saying is just as that stone, as the Bible predicted, was rejected, so it will one day be exalted and used. So that is me, Jesus. Jesus is that stone. He's not only the cornerstone, but he's the head of the corner. And they have rejected him. They have rejected the marvelous work of God. And that's what the Bible predicted. The Bible predicted that the stone would be rejected. Okay, let's go back to the parable. The Bible predicted that the stone would be rejected, but the parable predicted that the son would be sent as the final message from God to a rebellious country, uh, country and that he would be rejected and killed. So what is the parable teaching us in total? It's teaching us that God sent his only begotten son, the son in whom he was well pleased. As the final expression of his love and mercy, really the aggregate expression of his love, his mercy, his intention to bless and help, and yet what has Israel done yet again? Emphatically, they've killed him. They've rejected him. And because of that culpable rejection, they will be destroyed. And that's the message of doom and judgment that Jesus has given. Now, would you look at verse number 12? Notice their reaction to this. And they sought to lay hold on him. So they were not at all repentant. They didn't at all want to uh, change their mind about this to say, oh, you know, thank you for enlightening, enlightening us. We weren't believing you were the son of God, but now we do. We can see it. The scripture uh, says it. Okay. No, they weren't at all repentant. As a matter of fact, their response was a visceral response in which they wanted to lay hold on him for the purpose of killing him. So is it not ironic that he just gave them a parable saying they killed the son? And the response to the parable about they killed the son is they want to kill the son. Verse number 12, again, they sought to lay hold on him, but feared the people. For they knew that he had spoken the parable against them, and they left him and went their way. So they wanted to fulfill the parable in that very moment by killing him. But why did they not? Because they feared the people. They are people pleasers at the end of the day. And they did not want to in any way, shape, or form alienate themselves from the crowd. Why? Because it's the crowd that feeds their ego. It's the crowd that they manipulate. It's the crowd whom they use. It's the crowd that they charge those exorbitant interest rates on the exchange of money and to charge those exorbitant prices on the turtle doves and the other animals of sacrifice. And so they wanted all of what they had, and they also wanted to get rid of Jesus. So again, they are bested in argument. Again, they're left silent. They can't do anything but grit their teeth, but they're biding their time. And here, very shortly, Judas, who is already looking for an opportunity to betray the Lord, will find that perfect opportunity. When? Late that night, on Passover night, on that Thursday night, and he will go find these same religious leaders and he will tell them, guys, I got him. I know where he is. I know you can arrest him. No one's going to see it. You can please the people and 
kill him. You'll have your cake and eat it too. Come follow me. That's all going to happen here in just a few short hours. But that's all the time that we have for today. So we'll quit there in verse number 12. We'll come back and talk about another trial or opposition group that Jesus faced in verse number 13, but we'll have to do that next time. So I hope you have a great day today. God bless you, my friends. See you next time. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.